Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Istanbul and Beyond by Robin Eckhart. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. Wow. <laughs> Set your fun level to maximum. Okay, sure. Yep, that's what's happening today. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Good. I'm trying to recover from the past week and yeah. weekend. We had a big week. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, we'll get a few housekeeping things out of the way. If you go to our website, which is wecookbooks.com, you'll find a store tab. That will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And we've got a couple lists there. Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks, as well as uh, cookbooks that we've featured on our Cooking the Books Instagram. And if you make a purchase from either page, it will not cost you a penny more. We'll get a little something in return, and it's a great way you can show your support for what we're doing without uh, it costing you anything more. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> should, we, uh, should we talk about what we've been uh, working on? Yep. Uh, we are just finishing up a book called Mr. Jew's Chinatown by Brandon Jew. And it's... It was a bit more involved than some of the other ones that we've done I recently. I totally agree. It's been um, some work, but I don't mind it. Yeah, it's, been, it, it's been fun. It's introduced us to some, to some new things, um, maybe last evening's dinner excluded. Oh, geez. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. It's, it's all going in our report. But I think it's I think it's really funny how people just dismiss Chinese food as like crap that you get at the food court or you know crappy takeout that you get. Well, and, and how do and you? And it's not. It's like how a do lot you? Of it is work. This is kind of an interesting topic because like how do you even represent a country as large and as vast as China? Oh right, and yeah. distill that down. Um, I guess that's why a lot of Chinese restaurants have like, you know, 300 things on their menu or something. But um, it, it kind of leads into what we'll be talking about today with the Turkish cuisine, mm-hmm. because uh, that alone, you know, proved to be a challenge. And that's a country that's, you know, smaller in size mm-hmm. geographically than, than the U.S., but uh, still quite the challenge to represent all the different areas and, and cuisines and yeah. Yeah, and there's a question, like, at what point do you just try and do it all, or do you just focus on, like, one area, one certain, like, type of cuisine from an area? Yeah. It's it's kind of a fine line to walk. Um, And also, we will be starting um, a new book uh, from Table to Oven by Diana Henry, and I believe that this is... This will be the second book that we have featured from her. It's oven to table. Oven. To, what did I say? <laughs> table to oven. Oh. That's backwards. Whoopsies. You're doing it wrong. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, this will be interesting. And, and you know, hey, what better uh, time to turn on your oven? When it's 10,000 degrees yeah, out. It's like 92 in Chicago right now. Ugh. So. Uh, Want to talk about what's for dinner tonight? Yes. All right. This is pretty exciting. We're doing fried chicken, but we're getting takeout. Yep. So I won't uh, 
make a mess of my kitchen. No, nope. we already did that last we're night. We're taking the easy way out. Although I will say the bar has been set pretty high for fried chicken because you make a pretty mean fried chicken. So oh, well, shucks. We're you. checking out this new place uh, in our hood called North Branch Fried Chicken. We'll give you a full report later there, on. There was a place up the street from us that used to have bang and fried chicken. <laughs> but <clears throat> the restaurant itself was a little bit, the um, cleanliness was a little bit questionable. You're being generous. It had about <laughs> as much charm as a bus station and was probably about as clean as one. Um, but they had great fried chicken, but it was always like takeout. Yeah. You did not want to go sit in those like molded plastic. No. Molded, moldy plastic. <laughs> booths <laughs> and watch um old episodes of the golden girls i don't know but some of the you know some of the best food comes from restaurants which leave as much to be desired as long in, as you in, live in to in tell the, the story yeah um but yeah they they closed they did not make it out of the pandemic they were probably hanging by a thread before and then uh once they had to go into lockdown so we've been we've been on the search for like a um a place to get fried chicken that's somewhat close to us. Yes. Um, and so we're going to try out a new place and we'll tell you how it was last week. Yeah. Oh, hey. Last I, I, week. <laughs> what is my brain? Hello. And we're not even drinking today. <laughs> I did want to give a special mention to something that we've kind of been checking out on Netflix. We're only a few episodes in, but it's highly entertaining. And in the last week, we've had... Uh, my niece's visit, as well as your best friend with her daughter. So we've had a lot of young people in our house, mm -hmm. which rarely happens. And this is kind of something that all of us can get behind. And yeah. it's uh, Waffles and Mochi from uh, Netflix. See, I feel like I need to re we need to like restart it at the very beginning because it's kind of one of those things where you walk in the room and the kids are watching it. You sit down for a minute. And, and then the kids want a snack. And the, yeah. And like, so I just want to actually watch it from start to finish. But Agreed. it is adorable. It is. It is and adorable. It's entertaining. It's uh, educational. Mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Obama's in it. How can you go wrong? Lots of people are in yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Sam, Sam and Nostrat, uh, Michael Twitty. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just can't wait to like sit down I mean, and I'm actually sure, pay attention. I'm to sure it. we're preaching to the choir with a lot of our listeners, right. but uh, it's it's a new discovery for us, and we're excited. We're here for it. But if you want something to show your kids and occupy them, that's not gonna uh, eat away at their brain. Yep. Uh, here's some good educational stuff. Um, it might even be. It might even make them a more adventurous eater, which is never a bad thing. Oh, let's hope so. And that kind of leads me into something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, he's gonna, he's, he's going to hear we're getting the old man grump on right no, now. No, not but at all. I have to not say, I kind of agree with no, him. No, like I, my nieces were here. I love them to death. Uh, they're six and four, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever you're dining with children, and anyone who has children can relate um you either have to maybe alter where you would go um if you didn't have kids with you or you have to figure out you know a place you can go where they will eat something um i don't know we've been thinking about this a lot like you know do, do your kids eat 
what you eat? Do you make them something special? Do you order them something special? Because I know that was kind of a challenge for us when we were looking at dining options. Well, here's my thing is like all the... And I'm probably going to sound like a big asshole. We are child-free by choice. Yes. Um, so the only time that we ever really dine with kids is when we are with our families or friends' kids. Yes. So it's like small doses, whatever. But we can give them back when yeah. they start acting like jerks. And here's my thing. It really bothers me that all any kind of kids menu that you see in a restaurant is like mac and cheese, hamburger, uh, hot dog, chicken tenders. Yep. Those are the four usual suspects. I don't know. I just feel like when. Well, we we you stayed home, but I went with with my nieces to a place in downtown Chicago, pretty well-known, popular restaurant. And they don't really have like a kid's menu per se, but uh, it was kind of like a, you know, off menu kind of thing. But the choices were... And that's how they get you right, too. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. have to, if there's something your kid wants, you have to order you it off the grown-up menu. Yeah. Uh, but the choices were grilled cheese sandwich, mac and cheese, or chicken tenders. I think my nieces went with the chicken tenders. It's so uninspiring. Like, it, and I know it's, you know, I don't have kids, but seriously, I'm just like, I want my kids to eat what I want, what I am eating. I mean, save for like spicy stuff, because yeah. I'm sure that's pretty. But, you know, like, I just, I. I well, I'm sure it's a challenge because then, Absolutely. you know, you, you try and get them to maybe branch out and eat something different, and then they have a meltdown in the restaurant, and then you're, you're, Dinner is ruined because you've got a screaming kid on your hands. Yeah. So, but it's interesting. So, uh, we we kind of leaned into the kid friendly places and and we took them to a couple of uh, like Chicago landmarks around the city. One being Superdog. Um, so anyone who's from Chicago or or has visited is probably familiar with that. It's family owned since mm -hmm. 1948. And it's like a classic, like drive-through or drive-in, drive-up, yeah, uh, hot dog joint. They still have there. the like original drive-up menus with like the crappy button that, yep. that you push. Um, and I feel like I've seen uh, like rock bands do like have photo shoots there. Or, oh like, yeah, shots from you know they're at the Superdog. Like I know Wilco has done absolutely done a photo shot photo it's, shoot there. It's a pretty iconic place. So that so their signature hot dog um is a beef hot dog on a poppy seed bun with that uh bright yellow mustard, grilled onions, dill pickle are and the sport onions peppers. grilled or are they, they just are. regular I'm pretty sure they're grilled. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, they give you a receipt that is a, like an actual, like eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. <laughs> it's like, here, we just service your dishwasher. And it's like, you know, it's one of those like, you know, in triplicate. So it's like they give you one and, and they probably keep one for their own like accounting records or something. But it, it, it seriously looks like something that you'd get if you like had your car fixed or your air conditioner repaired or something and... Here's your receipt for one hot dog. <laughs> oh, and here's another great thing. Um, Johnny's brother was going to order, and he's like, yeah, I'll have one hot dog. And the worker was like, we don't have hot dogs here. We have super dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know why, but I getting find schooled by I, the I, employee. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go when in Rome, yeah, do gotta, as the gotta Romans, ask for it by name, right? But uh, yeah, and so uh, classic Chicago hot dog would consist of uh, the items that we mentioned. Um, no ketchup. That's kind of the big thing, and and inspires like much debate among people with the uh, hot dog toppings. And then, uh, you know, I didn't know this phrase until like recently. And then we 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 learned when someone requests that it be uh, dragged through the garden. It's just all those vegetables that get piled onto the hot dog. I've literally never heard no. that. We've been in Chicago for like twenty years, and I've never heard that phrase until recently. So. Have any other, has anyone else living in Chicago ever yeah, heard that? Yeah, d- drag that through the, gar- <laughs> through the, through the garden. <laughs> That's my <laughs> You jag off. <laughs> drag it through the garden, you jag off. <laughs> that's, that's my Chicago lame accent. Um, oh, and then after that, oh, yeah. we went, well, first of all, we went to go play mini golf, which sucked. Because I had a bum bum wing and they won't let you in there. No spectators. No Got to pay an admission. So I got to go sit in the car. We weren't some kids that were trying to like, you know. Misbehave. All, you know, pay one admission and then like right? all take turns playing mini golf. <laughs> which is why I'm sure they have that rule in place. I didn't even I'm think like, about that. Like I'm an adult. Like yeah. my mind doesn't o- operate that I, way. I tried to persuade the... Uh, the kid behind the counter. I was like, look, this, you know, I'm, I have shoes older than you. And, uh, we're here with my nieces. We're, we're hanging out with them from out of town. My wife's got a bum shoulder. She hurt herself skate skating, but we'll talk about that at another time. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Let's not. I, I, I have to say I'm, I'm all good now. Yep. You're on the mend. I, I was, my arm was immobile for a few days, but I'm, I'm great now. Yep. And then uh, they were like, sorry, can't come in. <laughs> Is that your uh, Simpsons that's, teenage employee? That's my uh, mini golf employee. How can I help you, sir? Yeah. So, Oh, so anyway, you were saying, then we ended up. Then we went to this uh, little ice cream shop called Dairy Star, which is, it's like one of those old, like, 50s, uh, it's like a Dairy Queen. It but, was a Dairy Queen. But... Older. Back in the day. Was it? A, yeah. Was it? Oh. Opened in 84 and they took over an old Dairy Queen location. Okay. Yeah. And here is the thing about this uh, location is that, you know how like when you go to Dairy Queen, you get um, chocolate for the dips, you get chocolate, cherry or butterscotch. I mean, those are all good, but it's kind of boring. But here there's like cotton candy dip, blue raspberry dip. Birthday cake. Yes, birthday cake, yeah. peanut butter dip, um, and they really only have three flavors of ice cream, and ch- then and then the dips and the sprinkles and all the toppings is where they really like go nuts. Yeah, they had the crunch cone. Oh, I haven't had a crunch cone in a long time. We're gonna have to go back. So What'd I you get? Share with everyone. Oh, what you got. I got a chocolate vanilla swirl. It's weird though because it was just mostly vanilla. There was barely any chocolate in the swirl. Um, a peanut butter dip cone. But they gave me a chocolate dip cone. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. I'll I'll eat it. I ain't going to be mad at that. <laughs> no, it's ice cream. I'm not going to be like, oh, take this back. You know, nom nom. I went with the butterscotch uh, milkshake or the malt. You're such a weirdo. I know. I, that was my jam growing up. Butterscotch. It was all about the butterscotch. I do like butterscotch dip cones at, at, the, at the DQ. Okay. Yeah. 
It was it was delicious. It was a stroll down memory lane for me. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that that was our two our two outings, and and the the nieces approved. They loved it both. Mm-hmm. So, uh, perfect uh, segue into our show topic: uh, favorite hot dog toppings. Um, and so we put this out to listeners, and uh, we got some good responses. You want to you want to start? Sure. Uh, Cat B said relish, onion, and mustard. Classic. But, but what I want to know is it the atomic green relish, or is it uh, like the yeah. like the I hate the sweet relish. Yeah, you're weird about sweet pickles and Ugh. sweet relish. My grandma used to make bread and butter pickles. I'll and, eat them all. Oh, it just disgusts me. What makes them sweet? Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe W said other meats. And mustard. <laughs> I like how you think. There you go. I mean, you know? I would not turn my nose up at a like a bacon hot dog or Mm-mm. something. Mm-mm. So uh, it's been a long time since I've had a chili dog, but I, I think I see where he's going with this. I feel like the last chili dog you had was really underwhelming. It's probably the last time I wore a white T-shirt, too. <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> no, you have not learned your lesson because you're still wearing white shirts and you're always getting dirty. Uh, what else do we got? I, I have to follow him around with a stain stick. You do. <laughs> <laughs> here, let me get that for you. It's, it's good. It's good that you're here for me. I know. Um, Mimi M said mustard, onion, dill pickle, and here you go, Mimi. You're my girl. Tomatoes, but only when they are on season. Tomatoes in the winter have no flavor and a nasty texture. Here, here. Hello. Yes. Um, so go ahead. Uh, Tim one. H said classic Chicago style toppings and of course no ketchup. There you go. I'm not I don't dislike ketchup, but I generally do not put it on burgers or hot dogs personally. I don't either. I I'll like it for it. French fries. I do. I have this I really hate the way ketchup smells. Yeah. It's it's smells disgusting to me. I feel you. But um Let's see. Uh, at Esther L. Chang said jalapenos. There you go. Well, that's a simple topping. Yeah. A little spice. Works for me. Oh, here we go. Controversial. Uh, <laughs> at Wonder and Sundry says ketchup, Ooh. yellow mustard, dill relish, American cheese. And then uh, she added, sounds gross, but tastes like summer. I don't think it sounds gross at all. I don't think so either. I mean, I'm, I'm a little dubious about the American cheese. I'd maybe but sub some cheddar. Yeah. But, uh, but no. Sounds lovely. And I don't I don't hate ketchup. I mean, if someone gave me a hot dog that had ketchup on it, I'm not going to like throw it on the ground or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll Have a meltdown. It. Yeah, I'll eat it. Uh, what are your picks? Um, I would say, okay, first of all, I prefer the hot dog to have a natural casing. Yes. So it has that really nice snap. Agreed. Um, there's something so satisfying about that. Yes. Um, and I'm basically just like, car- like I prefer caramelized onion and Dijon mustard. Okay. Maybe some cheese on there, like some cheddar. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, yes. If you got a good good hot dog mm-hmm. to start with, you don't need to like bury it under condiments. Um, I had yellow mustard. Uh, I like that little bite that it gives. And then uh, relish and sport peppers, a little spice. Okay. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anything else about hot dogs? I got oh. some good hot dog jokes at the end of the show. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I little, will little be. spoiler alert. I'll be waiting anxiously. Yep. 
I, I went all out and did did some some research and, and and selected only the best hot dog jokes. So if you say so, stay, I'll be stay, I'll be the judge of that. Stay tuned. Uh, all right, let's let's jump into this book, uh, Istanbul and Beyond, Robin Eckhart. Um, if like a lot of people, your only exposure to Turkish cuisine is the ubiquitous street, qu- street <laughs> I can't talk today, street kebab or the chopped salads, or maybe some baklava that's found on every Turkish menu in America. Prepare to expand your mind, Victoria. Okay. And your palate. Sure. Um, we mentioned earlier it's smaller in size geographically than the United States, but it's bordered by four bodies of water and eight neighboring countries. So you get a lot of different influence going yeah. on in this country. And uh, obviously it's got a long history, uh, which lends itself to a real diverse and delicious culinary landscape. Um, you want to talk about what we made first and sure. then we'll, we'll go into more detail about them. Yep. Uh, we did. I feel like we did quite a bit from this. Book. We did. Um, we made some fragrant orange cookies. Uh, we did silky braised leeks. Um, there was an onion soup with meatballs and sumac. Herb cheese hand pies. Uh, warming cinnamon tea, cabbage rolls in tomato and sumac sauce, and then a spicy tandoor style chicken. All right. I'm here for it. All right. Let's get down to it. Let's talk fragrant orange cookies. So these were beautiful. They were. And I made, I mixed them by hand, which never happens. Um, it's the way you keep those guns looking, <laughs> looking loaded and ready to go. Cookies out, guns out. Yep. Wait, wait, what? That didn't work. <laughs> um, the texture was really nice. It was uh, like similar to shortbread. It was flaky that way, but not quite as uh, rich. Yes. Um, and the color was really lovely because uh, there's a... Um, got an egg wash with just egg yolk. Yeah. And so it was this lovely orange color, which yeah. I kind of love that, like, it kind of conveyed what the cookie was. And the flavor was intense. I mm-hmm. mean, it was not a subtle orange flavor. Um, but these would be great for, like, kind of an after-dinner kind of aperitif kind of thing. Absolutely. Um Great for like a little light dessert. Um, little tea snack. I believe we froze some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I think we gave a bunch away too. Yeah, I mean... Of course, I, and it made a lot too. No complaints. Rustic is what I wrote down. <laughs> rustic they, is another they word had this, for sloppy. They had this like <laughs> rustic, craggy finish that kind of looked like Keith Richards' face. Oh, sure. Yep. Very they, weathered. Okay, they were not that bad. <laughs> no, they the were The edges were, were a little crinkly, but they we're look, not we're not Keith lo- Keith Richards level they craggy. Look, they look beautiful. Okay, so next we did silky braised leeks. Silky braised leeks. I feel like it, uh we didn't really used to use leeks a lot, but through doing this Instagram page and go working through all these books, w- we kind of gravitate towards dishes that are made with leeks. Some people might be intimidated to work with leeks because they are kind of dirty and sandy just because of how they grow. And so you really have to rinse them and, and wash them well. But they're super easy to clean. All you have to do is just Hey, like let's share our leek rinsing technique for the listeners. Okay. Um, 
So actually what I do is I'll just cut them in half. Well, it depends on, on like your preparation of how you want to use them. Like sometimes you can just like cut the end off and then separate all the leaves and soak them. And then that way all the sediment will uh, float to the bottom and then you give them another rinse. Um, but always, always wash your leeks. And Wa- you know what I do? any vegetable. Well, you do this too. We, I put them in a salad spinner. Mm, well, yeah, that's, if, that's, if they're like cut up. Yes. Um, I believe this preparation was like slicing them in half lengthwise, mm-hmm, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, normally if we're cutting them into little rings or something, like a lot of dishes call for. Then they go um, in the salad spinner. Yeah, give them a rinse, mm-hmm. salad spinner, nice and dry, nice and clean. Um, no residual like water from rinsing them. Yeah, um, it gets them nice and dry. We kind of use a similar technique for like when we work with herbs and stuff mm-hmm. too like if you're washing a bunch of parsley or or cilantro because then you just don't have this like soggy stuff that's not not pleasant to work with um these wow. were uh braised in a like a tomato based sauce that added a little bit of sweetness to them mm-hmm. and uh then there was a if I recall, there was like a little pinch of red paper. Uh, red paper. <laughs> what? What is my deal today? Um, We're just making up our own ingredients. <laughs> and I've, and yeah, I'm putting words. Yeah. Okay. Words, Victoria. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, so there was some red pepper flake, which added a little bit of heat. Um, and then we... I believe we topped them off with just a little bit of crispy leek just for the photo. So it would, I mean, I know that's not traditional and that sucks of us to do that, but it was pretty and it's our, we're the ones eating it. So our dish, our (laughs) rules. Uh, But yeah, this was great. I mean, it's a great side for dinner. Um, We had leftovers. They were wonderful on a toast the following Mm day. Um, Johnny Balmer is the king of um, rustle up toasts. Oh yeah, rustle up. That's <laughs> a, I love that term. No more using the term leftovers. Nope. It's all about rustle up. We're rustling up. Uh, um, yeah, and I'll put anything on a toast. Whatever we have in the fridge, I'm always rooting around in there looking for like something to make up a toast. <laughs> Much to your <laughs> I amusement. I get so annoyed when you put tuna on it though, because I'm like, you just ruined a perfectly good piece of bread. You can't go wrong with tuna toast. I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, you're wrong. Should, um, we, should we talk uh, onion soup with meatballs and sumac? I loved this one. This introduced us to sumac water. Which kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Like, basically, you put like a uh, half cup, a quarter cup of sumac. It was, it was a quarter cup. Yeah. Uh, in water. <laughs> and you I had in my notes, note to self. <laughs> Buy more sumac. Because there were two. You're gonna di- need it. There were two dishes that used the sumac water. There was. Um, but basically, you just uh, let um, the water infuse with the sumac, and it just adds a lovely tartness um, because sumac is has a nice tartness. I wonder how. I wonder how that would work for. I would like to try it for other spices. Too. Absolutely. Like. Sumac is kind of an underutilized spice, at least in like Western cooking. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when we work through books like this, it's fun to revisit it and, and remind ourselves of, of how much I love it. 
And this this was a great. It was the meatball preparation was kind of uh, similar to Italian wedding soup, but mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where the similarities probably end with the, with the dish. But uh, there was we use ground lamb mm-hmm. for the meatballs. Um, yeah, they I had allspice and black pepper. Uh, I remember when we God, if okay, so we made this a while ago. I remember we let the broth ride. We let it ride a little bit longer. Um, than what was called for. Nothing uh, wrong with that. Um, and oh, just the flavor was so good and intense. Yes. And I believe we might have been a little bit tipsy by the time <laughs> it was done. So that just made it even better because I was like tipsy hungry. It it, it could happen. <laughs> it, we made it on a weekend, so it probably did yes. happen. Uh, <laughs> next up we have... Herbed cheese-filled hand pies, Turkish hot pockets. Yeah, every every culture has like a stuffed bread type. Hi. I'm I'm throwing some uh, some kibble to our dog. I'm making it rain, um, making it rain kibble. I don't think she. So she'll stop barking. Here. We're recording this like right after the Fourth of July, so there's been a lot of barking going on in our house. Oh, so, our, our poor dog. Miss Olive does not like fireworks. Yeah. She's had she's had a very stressful weekend between new faces and like new energy around the house and then Fourth of July. Yep. And everyone still seems to think it is Fourth of July. Yep. Happy July sixth. Here's some more fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um anyhow. We we are just getting off track, aren't you we? You know, every culture seems to have their own kind of like stuffed bread. Which I just situation empanadas, strombolis, turnovers, what have you. So this is kind of like a a Turkish version of that, Mm -hmm. and it was delicious. Uh, It was made with uh, uh, the the recipe said that you can purchase herb cheese, but we just made our own. We used a sheep's milk feta and a little bit of parsley and salt and pepper. Um, It was. So they were pr- they were pretty easy, but I always want to like overfill them. And yes. the thing that was weird, not weird, but like, you know, usually you're used to, you know, you make little hand pie type little stuffed breads and you seal them. But these were left open so you get a little peek of what's inside. Yep. Well, and it, it, it did say in the book that, you know, if you are looking for like an introduction to working with like a yeasted dough. This is a good one because it was easy to work with. It was easy. The rise time was less than two hours. So you can basically make these the same day that you're going to be enjoying them. Um, Like you said, a little filling goes a long way. We, we, We just made some bao from another book from the Mr. Jew's Chinese. No, I said I wanted to put more filling. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like you have to like exercise some restraint because you're not supposed to like overstuff them. And, and with that bao that we just made, uh, earlier in the week, it was kind of the same situation where, you know, it's only like a tablespoon of filling. And if you put more in there, then they tend to like burst open and, and then, uh, you got too much filling going on. So anything else about this? They were beautiful. Um, they were. Uh, we ended up freezing some. And I believe it's weird because there are some breads that are uh, better to reheat in the microwave. And then there are some that are better to reheat in the oven. Yes. And I believe these were an oven, or a reheat in the oven item. I don't recall. 
I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah. We'll just say they were. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then we have some other stuff that we were that we were just like reheating, and it was better to just chuck them in the microwave. And we really don't use our microwave for anything other than like heating up water and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, next, we made a warming cinnamon tea. This, it was a little strong because we went and ran errands while it was uh, yep. seeping. Um, Let that serve as a warning to you, people. If you're going to steep something and make some tea, don't go to Target. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was only supposed to steep for about 15 minutes and it probably steeped for like over an hour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it was delicious. I love tea. It, I'm drinking tea right now. Yeah. It was assertive. Mm-hmm. But uh, it had all the classic, you know, cinnamon, autumnal uh, spice flavors, peppercorns, yep. turmeric, ginger, your lovely, your basic lovely spice tea. Yeah. Um, Made the house smell amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next we did cabbage rolls. Oh, yeah. And before we started this, we didn't really make, ca- we made cabbage rolls one other time for this project. But prior to that, we had never made them. Right. And this uh, this um, preparation was a little bit different from the one that we did before mm-hmm. uh, as in like getting the cabbage leaves ready. Because before, uh, it was just uh, peel off the cabbage leaf. Uh, the other recipe was peel off the cabbage leaf, dip it in the boiling water. But for this one, you take the whole head of cabbage mm-hmm. and you put it in the water, which we had a huge head of cabbage. The cabbage we had was gigantic. It was huge. So we ended up having to boil it for a little bit, pull off the the leaves that were done on the outside on the outside yep. and then sticking it back into the oven kind or sticking it back in the yeah, sticking yeah. it back into the boiling water um and this again also had the sumac water um along with uh the filling um it, it was in a sumac tomato broth yep and then the filling was uh rice some lamb onion uh garlic and parsley um, and grated tomato. Grated, yeah. This was a kind of a new technique that was introduced yeah. to us. Uh, I didn't like it. It didn't really work for me. <laughs> I think it kind of depends on the tomatoes you're using because they they have to have a little bit of like firmness to them for mm-hmm. this to work. Ours, I th- felt like, just got kind of mangled up, and then it was just like shards of user like, error, uh, probably. <laughs> Anything that goes wrong is your fault. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like our ancient grater that's probably seen better days. But uh, this thing would it it didn't really work out. I I think I ended up just kind of like finally chopping everything up and leaving it at that. So there you go. Your results may vary. You did what you had to do. Yep. Um, But it was super good. And I don't know why. I think I had this uh, preconceived notion about stuffed cabbage rolls like it just seems like it always seems like this really sad unappetizing thing to me when in reality so delicious it is it's me judging a book by its cover yes like ooh, uh, uh soft looking cabbage like i don't know but yeah i just have to get over the appearance thing for that it's not the most vibrant 
looking dishes, but it's very pallid looking. But damn, is it delicious! Uh huh. All right, and then uh, lastly, we did the spicy tender style chicken, and this was interesting because it originates from the southern Turkish region, close to the border with Syria, and I think that's where the the spice level comes in because this had some heat to it. It did, and. Uh, we we uh, welcome that. And then you uh, spatchcock the chicken. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about spatchcocking? Uh, spatchcocking <laughs> is a fancy word for cutting it down the back. And, and flattening it out. Flattening it out, um, which just makes it, <clears throat> excuse me, makes it cook a little bit faster. Um, yeah, and if you want, if you don't want, it's also a good thing to do to a turkey spatchcocking a turkey that will speed up your cook time a Might little bit. Might need a chainsaw for that. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I mean, other than you marinate the chicken the night before, but otherwise, like, on, on uh, cooking day, like, this was a pretty simple dish to make, so not, not too involved. Did we spatchcock it before? I think yeah. so, because we had it laid oh, out that's on, a, right. on we... a sheet tray. <laughs> I got annoyed with you because you didn't put the... Um, the spice on the bottom of the chicken, on the underside of the chicken. On the sharp ribs? Yeah. That were cut open? Yeah. But see, okay, and here, and you were like, why? And he's like, why would I put it on the bottom? So when we make ribs, tell me, do you put the rub on both sides of the ribs? Probably. Yes, you do. (laughs) See, I'm right. (laughs) He was adamant, like, why would you do that? No, no. I was probably indifferent about it. No, because we got into an argument about <laughs> what? it. What? Yes, we did. I don't remember. I don't recall this instance. I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anything else on the uh, tender style chicken? No, it was yummy and juicy and succulent. All right. Um, before we uh, offer our rankings, I've got a couple of critical Amazon's ones. We can condense this because, like, I found two. They were a little critical. Mm-hmm. They're kind of long-winded. Mm-hmm. These people wanted to express themselves, express themselves, and and their disappointment with the book. So, you want to do the first one? Um, you do the first one. Okay. I'll do. So this comes from Neela. She gave it two out of five stars, and she said, "Disappointing cookbook. I did not like it, and I returned the book. The author did not show the city of Istanbul in the real way that it should be. Istanbul is a spectacular city, cosmopolitan and modern." The recipes are long, not easy to follow, and they do not look appealing to me. Also, the way she explains how to cook the rice is not the Turkish style. Uh, There are awesome books related to Turkish cooking. Not this one. Um, I don't know if she maybe forgot that there is Istanbul and And beyond. beyond. Because, like, this is not strictly a cookbook about Istanbul. But uh, there you go. Not pleased. And then... This one's from Mickey Fan. Mickey Fan. Are we talking Disney, Mickey? Are Maybe. you an adult who is a... Are you a Disney adult? <laughs> Might uh, be. Eh. <laughs> <clears throat> we won't say what I think about that. <laughs> um, all right, so he gave it two out of five stars. And he said it was more of a history book. Or, or Actually, it might be a woman, too. I'm sorry. I don't know what pronouns to use. Um... More of a history book. Uh, I rarely write reviews on books mainly because they are so subjective. 
Uh, let's see. Unfortunately, the focus of this book is uh, to provide you with a wonderful glimpse into the history and customs of the various regions of Istanbul, which is true. Um, it would be great if I were researching info about Istanbul. What I really wanted was a cookbook with recipes from Istanbul. Um, and it says if you're looking for a cookbook that focuses on Istanbul recipes, this is not for you. Um, and then they go on to say... The first recipe is on page 36 because there was a lot of... 36 with triple exclamation points. Right, because there was a lot of writing before the first recipe. Um, and it says, uh, I blame myself for my disappointment with this book. The title clearly states the main focus of the book, Istanbul and Beyond. Um, nowhere in the title does it indicate that it is a cookbook. It, it, yeah, I mean... I I understand the critique, but, you know, this is one of those books that kind of transports you to, like, this specific place, and it's kind of a love letter to Turkey mm -hmm. and, and all of its different areas and cuisines, and it's not... It, I mean, it, it's it's a very specific style of cookbook. There's yeah, a not all cookbooks are just straight-up recipes. Yeah. Um, so if that's, if that's not your jam, yeah, then you're not going to like this book. I mean, if you want just, like... Easy, fast, keto, instant pot dinners for a busy family, then that's probably just packed full of recipes with no extraneous writing. But this is not that type of book. Mm -mm. Uh, I guess, you know, we'll cover this more in our rankings because there's, there's some things I want to say on this. So, okay. all right. Uh, should we move on to ours? Sure. Food photography and styling. What say you, m'lady? <laughs> Are you going to tip your fedora at yes, me too, I, I, uh, That's what I am doing. Okay, nice guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I gave it a 3.5. Okay. Um, there was a mixture of, I'd say there was about the same mixture of like kind of human interest and landscape photos as there were food and i feel like the food photos see they were like very unstyled to me like we possibly shot on location yes. i was kind of wondering that mm -hmm. myself like if they actually had a you know some kind of kitchen or test kitchen that they were making these recipes and then photographing or if they just took these photos during their travels yeah. of these different dishes and then just kind of you know replicated them and made recipes later on it should be noted that uh Author Robin Eckhart's husband, Dave Hagerman, is the photographer. So mm -hmm. they travel together and then he, he takes all the photos. So, um, yeah, interesting side note. Um, anything else? Um, no, I've, I feel like there, you know, there are some books where there is a very clear aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that wasn't here. But then again, you know, you're showing a, a like a swath of the population and different, you know, different landscapes yeah. and whatnot. So fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more of a live. I feel like it's more of like a live action <laughs> photography when it comes to food, you know. Like, yeah, like I could see that. I'm, I'm going to make you this plate of food here. It's gorgeous. Take a photo or, you know, like, I mean, not all the food looked gorgeous, obviously, because... Yeah. You know, 
It's not that type of thing, though. No, it's, like it, very, it's like centered on like kind of home cooking. Right. Come into our home. Yeah. Come into our restaurant. We'll we'll cook for you. We'll, yeah. And we'll I I mean, that's you. not what I was expecting either. So. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you what do you have to say? Uh, I gave it a four. OK. Not every recipe has a companion photo. Mm-hmm. So if you're the type that wants to open a cookbook and see a photo of the completed dish, you may be disappointed with this. Um Many that do feature kind of like a meal in progress. Uh, so meaning there's like utensils kind of tucked into the dish midway through. There'll be like some bites out of something. Um, it, it really does kind of like pull you in and invite you to to eat. Uh, a lot of 45 degree angle and close up shots of the food. Um, there's probably an equal amount of travel photography, though. So it's it's I'd say it's a good fifty fifty mix of the food and the and the travel photos and the travel photos I kind of enjoyed a little better mm-hmm. than the food photos. Um, I love how you call them. I call them like human interest. Oh, there you go. Uh, there's some step by step photographs for any of the procedures that mm-hmm. require explanation. So that I, I noticed a few of those throughout the book where it'd be like walking you through how to, you know, do a technique or something and i have to say i always appreciate those photos because it's so much easier to see it yeah than to read it yeah um i think that's all i had okay yeah design and layout go ahead uh i gave it a four okay there was a helpful uh recipes by category section in the front of the book so if you were looking for appetizers soups uh, a chicken dish, uh, maybe like pickles, relishes, and fermenting. So like if you had a specific idea in mind, it kind of categorized all the recipes within the book um, so you could reference them that way. There was also a useful uh, stocking your Turkish pantry section, and that was a really good introduction, especially for someone who's maybe unfamiliar with, with uh, cooking Turkish cuisine. Um there was also a glossary of terms that I thought was really useful. Um, another thing that was interesting is there's pretty lengthy head notes at the beginning of each recipe that the, uh, author Robin Eckhart wrote. So that's really where her skill is, is in like, you know, travel writing. And, and she really paints a portrait and uh, transports you to, you know, wherever this uh, dish originates. Um Chapters were divided into the different regions. So, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously Istanbul, but then there was like Black Sea, Northeast, Southeast. Um, And then at the beginning of each chapter, there'd be a profile of uh, usually like kind of a different vendor, maybe like a different restaurant Mm -hmm. or maybe like, you know, someone that makes a very specific uh, food item or, you know, it's something that kind of like walks you through, you know, their their. process and I, I thought that was really interesting um otherwise the recipes are well formatted they have all the useful you know preparation time the yield the different components um there's a bibliography at the end mm-hmm. so if you're really interested in diving into turkish history and food um there was a lot of real useful reference materials for additional reading on the subject um but uh, yeah i i had no complaints about it okay what about you? Uh, I gave it a 3.5. Um, I have to say I do appreciate, I really did appreciate the index at the beginning because if you 
No, if you open up this book and you know nothing about Turkey and you're like looking at, oh, okay, so uh, we're, we're at the southeast. You know, right. what, what is the southeast? You know, if you don't know anything about it, how do you know where to go? Right. What what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know where you're going to find it. So, yes, the um, index is really key. Um, I, yeah, and I gave it a 3.5. And yeah. there was a, there, I, there was a lot of writing in this book. Um, but I do, I feel like the recipes were fairly clear and concise. Um, well, I just think it, it helps. Unlike the people that were critical of the book, I, I think it just helps you gain an appreciation and understanding of the different cuisines and, yeah. and gives you, you know, these you, are these influences for yeah, this cuisine. Totally. This is how we arrived at this. And I really appreciate that for yeah. someone that's not familiar, uh, too much with Turkish cuisine mm-hmm. like this is this is a great you know way to exp- you know expand your uh familiarity with it but also just you know learn some stuff in the in the process so no complaints anything else uh nope all right degree of difficulty I gave it a three okay um for me it was middle of the road I could see you know some of these some of these dishes had several steps, um, had like longer cooking times. Um, I didn't, I didn't think there was anything that was like overwhelmingly difficult, but I think if you gave this to someone who doesn't cook a lot, they'd be like, yikes. Possibly. I think it really depends on the recipe. And that's what I, that's what yeah. I had in my notes. Was, yes. You know, I think we chose some stuff that we we knew we could execute mm-hmm. well. Um, if anything looked a little too involved, we probably just skipped out on yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like we are just kind of we're gonna skate this week. Yeah. So you know, we picked easier things. Well, th- I think it's also just due to the number of dishes that we chose. Mm-hmm. So like when we we're doing like six or seven things from a book. You don't want to have uh, any recipes that are going to be real lengthy and involved yeah. and require, you know, multiple steps, possibly, you know, advanced preparation. I mean, that tea recipe really had me sweating. <laughs> During your target run? <laughs> Were you panicking about that? I was like, ooh, I hope I made it right. <laughs> so you said you gave it a three? Yes. I gave it a three as well. Okay. Um there was some ingredients that might be a little tough to source unless you go online or, you know, depending on where you're located. Things like wheat berries, those goddamn nigella seeds, urfa, mm. uh, pepper, pomegranate molasses. I mm-hmm. mean, we have no trouble finding that stuff because we've got access to some some decent uh, stores here in Chicago. But, you know, not everyone may. So yeah. that that's where you got to go online or, or you know, maybe uh visit a larger city than where yes. you're located or something um they they did offer a lot of substitutions throughout the book mm-hmm. which i appreciated so even in the case of like that herb cheese that we just made ourselves you know and and i thought the author was pretty good about alerting you to like when you could make substitutions and what those substitutions might be so that that was helpful yes i i i like when a cookbook will give you some latitude um, 
because then you you don't get so stressed out. I mean, I don't get stressed out about it anymore. Um, I think it takes some of the, you know, intimidation and fear out of cooking when when they're like, hey, yeah. if you don't have this, don't worry about it. Like, but, you can do this instead. But if I was like a new cook, I'd be like, oh, my God, what can I do? This I can't I can't make Pomegranate this. Pomegranate molasses. I, I can't find it. Yeah. Like, I can't make this because I don't have this ingredient or whatever. Right. Um, uh, you know, that's not really a problem for us anymore because you can we can think of substitutions and whatnot but i really do appreciate that that just comes with experience and just gaining confidence in the the kitchen so uh and then lastly taste i gave it a five okay everything that i like that soup that uh that meatball soup was so good it was so like i just remember biting into it and i was like ah and I just, it made me feel some type of way. Um, and I loved the cookies. I, I really did like everything that we made. Yeah. And agreed. I would, and I would make it again. Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. For those same reasons. Um, I feel like these are not things that we would normally eat. No. So I love that it kind of expanded our horizons. Mm-hmm. And uh, we definitely were exposed to some new ingredients and techniques. So. No complaints. Yeah. And like you said, I enjoyed everything that we made. There was nothing that was like a, a misstep or that I didn't enjoy. All right. Um, so if you enjoyed the show, please rank and review it. Uh, follow us on social media at we underscore cook underscore books. That is our Instagram. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. You know what time it is. <laughs> All right. So time. I got I got a special. uh July 4th slash hot dog slash outdoor cooking edition of the, of the jokes for you. All right. And I, I found some good hot dog themed They jokes. better be explosively funny. <laughs> ha ha. <laughs> Pressure's on. All right. So I, I've got like eight of them. Why don't you just pick a number between one and eight and I'll just, I'll just, I'll recite like three of them. Whoa. You did your due diligence. I did. Okay. Uh, I was on a roll. All right. Five. Uh, okay. I have an idea for a make-your-own-hot-dog place. It's called, What's the Worst That Can Happen? <laughs> that was a good one, eh? Hey? Yeah. All right. Okay. All I, right. Got, I got two more chances to redeem all myself. Right. Two. Ooh, I was eating a hot dog the other day, and I took a bite of ketchup, and it squirted my eye. Now I have Heinz Sight. Okay. Heinz Sight? Are you sure? Is this thing on? Hello? <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, this is, pressure's on now. Last chance to redeem Tough audience. Myself. Okay, number eight. Okay. Uh, I stepped into my shower today only to find hot dogs coming out of the shower head. <laughs> called my plumber to see what was going on, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's my own creation. It's called a meteor shower. Meteor? Uh, meteor? Sure. Sure. Eh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Johnny, was, Johnny wasn't too funny. Uh. Let's see. What what can I say to redeem myself? Let's say uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. I, I can use some of these later on sure. at a later date. Okay, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Keep on cooking. Take care. Bye.